Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen! It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 136, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always... Joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Nine Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. Hello. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, today we're going to be doing the film review for the Eagles and the Cowboys. And I don't know if I can rem- remember a worst team performance in the history of doing a these worst shows. Or worst team performance. A worst. I guess it's hard to figure yeah, out. It's, worst team performance. Yeah. yeah. Awful. Awful game to watch. Big bad. Big time bad. How you doing, brother? Matt, everything is delicious. Who played well in this game, Ben? <laughs> Jordan Howard. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, Jordan Howard. Jordan yes. Howard. Yeah. Let's have a cut. Like, you and I <laughs> probably, up, like, you know, in the offseason, you and I are both like, Jordan Howard, not really uh, that, you know, like, woohoo. Like, he's, he's just a guy. Um, and then I even doubled down in, like, you know, week two, week three, where everybody was like, more Jordan Howard. I was like, yeah, you say that now, but you're not going to be saying that later. More Jordan Howard, please. I got a pill to swallow, brother. <laughs> uh, and, and the thing is, is, is Jordan Howard has been a delight. And, the, and, and I think he's been a delight in large part because of that with which he is contrasted, which is Miles Sanders, who I'm sure we'll get to. Oh, yeah. Uh, Howard successfully gets what's blocked for him. But not only does he do this, he's also good at setting up his own blocks. He's a smart player. He is not a quick player. And so while other backs would be more effective, those backs could not have been had on the trade market this year for a fifth round pick, right. nor could they have been selected as rookies in the fifth round. It's a good move. He was a, he was a value at that selection, certainly for Philadelphia. And he also, you know, Peterson gave Michelle Tafoya at halftime. The quote, like, why, you know, with the running game, like, we're, we're, you're running the ball a lot. And he was like, yeah, like, we wanted to get our offensive line in a rhythm. And I, I, I like, that's a, that's a common narrative trope for offensive lines. And, like, yeah, the Eagles offensive line was playing poorly. Yeah. And so if you were told by the offensive line and, like, Jeff Salen earlier, like, listen, like, let them run a couple zone plays. Like, let, let, let them, like, get physical and come off the line. Then, okay. Right. You know what I mean? Whatever. But Howard is an offensive line's favorite back. Yeah. For sure. Oh, yeah. Because he goes where he's supposed to go. Mm-hmm. He does what he's supposed to do. He helps you by setting up leverage. And then also, he's big nasty the way offensive linemen are big nasty. He came and hit you. You yep. know, he wants to knock some paint off your helmet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think Howard makes uh, – Howard was the, the eagle who impressed me the most this uh, uh, in this game. The other players who I have down as, as having relatively solid games, at least relative to expectation – are Dallas Goddard, yep. Derek Barnett, mm-hmm. Josh Sweat, mm-hmm. Hassan Ridgeway, and TJ Edwards, yeah. who, yes, my expectations for TJ Edwards Were did low. not exist. <laughs> and Edwards, significantly limited athlete who will be put in situations that attack his athletic ability. Fourth and one, Ezekiel Elliott, nine-yard pass. That was, hey, I bet 57 can't run with 21. <laughs> That's that play design. That's all that was. And he can't. But he, he's, he's fundamentally sound in the middle of the defense. So it's those smart. are the, the, the limited, small number of Eagles. You'll notice a lot of young players on that list who performed better than expectation. In terms of your key veterans mm. who you wanted to show up big mm. in a huge game, mm. eh, this nobody, is not good. Nobody, man. Nobody. Uh, the yeah. whole, the whole, it was, it was the whole team. And look, I... Uh, there's so much bad that I feel compelled to, along with the Jordan Howard thing, to at least start off on a somewhat positive note. So I'm going to set this up for you because you had a great breakdown of this on Twitter. So ch- gentle listeners, check that out if you haven't yet. 
Let's turn our books to quarter one, 444 on the clock. Eagles are down 14 nothing because that's how they're living life these days. That's the new normal. <laughs> Second and 12 from the Dallas 28. This puppy jumped off the screen for me when I saw it because it's exactly how you beat this Dallas defense. And we discussed this on the QB Sco show leading up to the game as well. But Ben, would you grace us with your insight regarding the 28-yard wow. touchdown from Wentz to Dallas Goddard, please? That's healthy, um, but I appreciate it. You know, the Dallas guy was a cool play. It was a cool design. It was a cool touchdown. Philadelphia had given a few, from what I can't remember, I may be completely wrong, few looks thus far this season in which Dallas Goddard was on the field and Zach Ertz was not. Irregular. When they gave those looks, they wanted to present a running, uh, you know, that, that's a common run look for them. Mm-hmm. Goddard is a better run blocker than Zach Ertz. That's why he would be on the field. And in this particular play, they're in 21 personnel with two backs. Two separate guys in the backfield. Both of them could potentially receive the ball on a running play. So this screams run, I think, in the initial look at the snap. Dallas has really good middle linebackers. Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch. And one of the reasons that they went out and got really good middle linebackers, lest we forget, with Sean Lee and Jalen Smith on this team, they drafted Leighton Vander Esch in the first round. They needed a linebacker, but they went and they got a guy at 19 overall. Van Der Esch is a sublime athlete out of Boise State. They need this because they ask their linebackers to do a lot of work in pass coverage. And specifically, when they get overloaded sets, when they get unbalanced sets on the offense, the Eagles here give them a four-by-one look because they motion Jordan Howard to the strong side. Again, two backs in the backfield, two receivers in the line of scrimmage. Every single one of those players is eligible. A lot of times when you get four wide receivers to a side, one of them is ineligible because it's hard to keep him uncapped. But the Eagles have three guys in the backfield on one side of the field. And so this is four eligible receivers. The Cowboys accordingly check their coverage in a way that makes Leighton Van Der Esch responsible for deep vertical routes. Yeah. And like I said, this is why they, they, they made sure they had talent like Van Der Esch and Smith. It's because they, 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 they're going to ask the linebackers to do this. And those guys are great athletes. Yeah, Dallas Goddard's also a great athlete. On the other side, too, to the 4 by one side, you know you've got Jalen Smith with Miles Sanders on a wheel route, too. They're asking a lot from yep. these guys. Right, exactly. And, and and that's one of the nice things about this play that I didn't put in the breakdown on Twitter, but I, I put it in a reply. This looks, in terms of pre-snap motion, unbalanced strong side, and then the Miles Sanders, what we call a bus route, back up the seam, yeah. B-U-S bus route, that wheel route that he likes to run, but it doesn't go all the way to the sideline. It stays, you know, in front of the numbers. That bus route, Eagles scored against the Vikings on this play, Miles Sanders against Eric Kendricks. Yep. And so, yeah, when, when Jalen Smith and Jeff Heath saw Miles Sanders whip out of that backfield and go straight up the field, yeah, they thought they knew where the ball was coming. Eagles ran that play at thirty-two at plus thirty-two. They're at plus twenty-eight right here in terms of field position. Yep. So this is tendency dialing, right? So this is why it's a nice build off the design from week six. On that week six play, the person in Goddard's position, who I believe was like Nelson Aguilar or Alshon Jeffrey, just ran a shallow cross. In this instance, he immediately gets vertical and he crosses the face of the deep safety. Remember I said an unbalanced set, the Cowboys flood their coverage to that side. It means it's man coverage on the back side. Mm -hmm. It's man coverage on the one receiver side. So there's nobody playing deep on that back weak side. Yeah. And so Dallas Goddard crosses the formation to get to that weak side. Leighton Van Der Esch is in man coverage. Van Der Esch holds him step for step, yeah. but Dallas Goddard has upfield leverage. Remember that one Carson Wentz touchdown to Trey Burton in 2017? He threw it over the top of the linebacker's head. Right, yeah. I, I believe it was against Carolina. And there was a question about whether or not it was an accurate ball or whether or not it was an apt decision. It's the Rams. Right, it was oh, the Rams. It was the Rams, yes. The, the, what quarterback coaches will tell you is if you can read a dude's nameplate and coverage, the dude he's covering is open. Yep. <laughs> right? If you can see the back of his helmet, he ain't going to see the ball when it's coming, brother. And you got to be able to layer that ball over the man coverage that's underneath your receiver, but still put it in a catchable place you can't overthrow your receiver. It's a beautiful ball from Carson. Yeah. Oh, that's exactly where it needs to be. Goddard goes up and makes a great catch. But this, he has a good design, understanding uh, how the Cowboys like to check coverage. Uh, what unbalanced sets are going to do, and building off of a design that was successful for them in Week 6. The Eagles have regularly attacked the Cowboys in this way. This was one of the successful ones. Uh, I will say, this is the best play design the Eagles had in the passing game this week. Mm. If you ask me for the second best one, (laughs) I don't know what I'd give you. Right. 
and that's and that's the problem. And I think that's the best place to start is with the quarterback and and maybe what he could have done to help the offense out a little bit because the schemes weren't doing a whole lot of it for the rest of the game. You know, we started off on a really positive note. It's about to tank here, and out of the gate, I'll say that you're like I understand. It's not his fault the first drive failed or that the defense allowed 27 points in the first quarter. Okay, well, maybe seven of those points are him because quarter one, 923, Eagles are already down 7-0. They're at their own 16 with second and four. Lane Johnson gets beat badly by Demarcus Lawrence, who is using his patented cross chop, which is just nasty. Per next-gen stats, it was the quickest sack of the week. So I get it. Carson didn't get a whole lot of time here. And before we get into this play too deeply for the game, once averaged a time to throw a 3.16, second worst among all quarterbacks in week seven. Big long. Only seven of his dropbacks were delivered in under 2.5 seconds, 24 over 2.5 seconds. And I understand game script for some of this. And before the game, I 100% disagreed with the lazy narrative that he wasn't making quick or correct reads or getting the ball out against Dallas, though. Ben, I have a spreadsheet for these PFF analytics that I update every week. And one of the things I track is Carson Wentz's time to throw, how it relates to pressure and all these other aspects to it, how the offense performs right. overall. I have this for each game of his career. This was the longest it took him to get it out in his career. And on this strip sack, at the top of the drop, he could probably get to Matt Collins on one side. Maybe he's, maybe Hollins is a little late getting in the break there. But on the other side, Alshon Jeffrey's getting into his break. He can make an anticipation throw there. They're running 12-yard curls. He can also make a throw to Zach Ertz, which is what he eventually settles on because Ertz is open early, and I don't know what Wentz is waiting on. That ball's got to come out to Ertz, and and I think that's where he eventually settles, but it's too late. This didn't have to be a sack. And one more quick look at, let, let's say, still first quarter, 721, it's third and 10. At this point, it's 14 nothing Cowboys. They're in a two-by-two two set. They're running a mirrored Haas concept. So- yeah, this is an important play. Curls on the outside, streaks on the inside to both sides. A, I, I think he looks to the wrong side initially or needs to come off to the other side when he sees the boundary safety drop into the hole. The space on this play is to the other side, in my opinion, where Jeff Heath is retreating into a deep middle zone. B, if you're going to try fitting this thing into Jeffrey in this tight window, it's got to come out quicker. C, Carson ran himself directly into the stunting Jalen Smith. He power yep. skips hard right into him. And this is going to count against the, against Andre Dillard as a hit or a pressure, but it was Wentz putting himself in danger on this one. He did not need to do this. His pocket presence in this game was a problem. He did not help out his offensive line. Yeah. This is a dramatic drop in that area that we've seen from him all year, and you hope it's an aberration. Man, it was a rough one for Carson. I got questions about this on Twitter. Just by using these two examples in the first quarter, I find it hard to believe that it was all game script, and I find it hard to believe that it was all on the offensive line or the receivers or the covers from Dallas. This was a Carson issue, regardless of what was happening around him. And it's up to Carson to clean it up because Buffalo's defense is no joke, and they will make him pay for this if it happens again. You said this was a huge aberration in terms of pocket presence play from what we've seen from Carson this season. Not, not, a, not an aberration, but a, but a pretty significant drop. Uh, the combination yeah. between making the reads and then pocket management. See, like I just, I, I don't think it's a huge drop off. I think it's, it's one of his worst weeks. But this is where I've always been on Carson in terms of what, what, if I could improve something about the player, what would I improve? It would be, you know, pocket management, especially like risk management inside the pocket. In terms of, like, yeah, like there are multiple instances in this game. I'm, I'm going to bring up another one in a second of where Carson, I just think, simply gets locked in mm-hmm. on a first read. You know, the, the interception, I, won't, I don't really want to talk about the interception in the fourth quarter because, like, they were down 27 and right. Carson's just out there slinging it. Yeah. But Carson's just bird dog and hurts. <laughs> you know, that's the easiest interception Xavier Woods going to have. Yep. You know, he's just sitting on him and then he tries to rocket it in there. But he he, he struggles uh, in terms of his vestibular sense of where space is around him, where pressure is coming from around him and how to respond to that. And even, like, you know, agnostic of the pressure stepping into this Alshon Jeffrey throw the way that he did delays the throw and takes velocity off in my opinion you like to see him climb up not climb to his side right that cross step with his back foot isn't, isn't beneficial for him on this play specifically though like you said you know Dillard's gonna get acknowledge like you know gonna get credit for the hit you know he's gonna get tagged for it and it's two rookies who are responsible for Jalen Smith getting as close to Carson as he does because Dillard needs to acknowledge that when you feel that stunt inside move from Robert Quinn, 
Mm. Someone's probably coming over the top of it. Right. And Dillard is late to disengage hands, and, and, and he has great recovery athleticism. That's the book on Dillard. But this needs to be a pop reset hands, and you want to catch Smith before he can turn up field. Yeah. You don't want to let Smith get your outside shoulder. And so this is a late response to a stunt that, you know, is not like anything you would have seen in college. And then Miles Sanders also, who is, is looking to chip Robert Quinn. Well, when Robert Quinn spikes inside, young rookie out of Penn State, Somebody else probably coming over the top. Yeah. And you're going to be responsible for chipping him as well. Miles Sanders gets uh, too far upfield. He completely misses Robert Quinn. So both these rookies, you know, if, if it's Jordan Howard and Jason Peters out there, Carson might hitch, like, you know, make this little hit, uh, crow step to the left and nobody's near him. Mm-hmm. Because those veterans probably would have much better accounted for this stunt than the rookies did. So this is the the trickle down. You know what I mean? Like, you know, the, the, the rookies make little plays that get Jalen Smith close to Carson. And then Carson doesn't manage the pocket great. And all of a sudden he puts himself in Jalen Smith's warpath. And they get rewarded with a 15-yard roughing the passer penalty. So, like, you know, it, it's why, you know, you evaluate, you know, evaluate plays on process. The other ga- uh, play that I want to bring up is 640 in the second quarter. This is a five-yard scramble for Carson Wentz. This is a really good example, in my opinion, of what you were talking about in terms of what Carson's going to do with his reads, right? At, at mm. the snap, the uh, the Eagles are in their tight end wing nub set, right? So two tight ends to one side of the formation, closed, they're right on the line, they're right up against the tackle, they're not flexed out. Um, they're running out of this, uh, just a little, like, you know, a little, like, wheel route from Zach Ertz and a little out, out cut from Dallas Goddard. And Dallas robs this really nicely. Uh, they get Jordan Lewis to sit down on that in cut. They get Jeff Heath on top of the wheel route. They, they have a really nice, and I'm not sure what the coverage check is here, because the outermost corner takes yeah. the innermost route runner, and that's not typically the way that that goes, but it's exactly what they need for this circumstance. So this is really nicely covered by Dallas. Yeah, you can do that if you're staggered. If you're not staggered like that, that's impossible to do. But yeah, they do a nice right. job here. Yeah, so it's really, really like, and, and again, like, I wish I could tell you, oh, that's this call. I don't really know what it is. <laughs> they just did it good. Yeah, no, maybe, maybe this is, they just got man coverage and this is the matchup they wanted, whatever. But regardless, Carson's play side read is taken away. He should acknowledge immediately by alignment. He should not have to watch anything after Jeff Heath on this play yeah. to realize Dallas Goddard's not going to uncover. Right. And like Goddard is still like kind of open if you want to seam that ball in there. It's going to be a five-yard gain, whatever. He has two options here. Miles Sanders releases out into the flat, which is your check down immediately right away. Or if you want to come off it, you got to go to Nelson Aguilar, who's running then, and because they're, they're flooding strong. This is similar to what Kansas City will do. They got four receivers in this area right, right. here. So you got to be able to come off that first read, and now you're high-lowing Leighton Vander Esch, who's in the hook zone. Yep. It's either you're checked down Miles Sanders to the flat, or it's Nelson Aguilar who's running the crosser behind him. But you got to look at Vander Esch and make him wrong. Carson looks at Vander Esch, tucks and runs. Yep. And it's a five-yard gain. And if and and if you if you're sitting down with Carson in the film room and he says, "Listen." I felt there's a ton of space open to the left of me. They took away the first read. I knew I had a positive gain. I decided to tuck and go. Cool. I'll never take that away from him. But Dallas takes away his first read right away. Carson freezes on the second read and then tucks and goes. Where I think Aguilar probably is uncovered to the middle of the field with a good ball. I agree. You know, and you got to you got to throw it behind Van Resch, which is again like you got to be quick on the release and fast on the ball. He can. Make but that I think throw. he's open. Yeah. Yeah. He, he has before. I do wonder the extent to which he doesn't trust Aguilar here. Yeah. This is the first thing I thought when I watched this play. <laughs> um, you know, which which would not be an unreasonable handicap to be playing with at this stage in Carson and Nelson's relationship. Um, but this is to me, this play stood out as Dallas took a, Dallas had the right call to take away read one. And then after that, it was uh, a, a lot of what we, you know, what we affectionately call tapioca brain for Carson. You know what I mean? It was kind of, he froze on, on the check down, froze on, on moving his feet to read two. And then without a ton of pressure, he decides to tuck and go. And again, I think he just feels space and takes it. And I'm, I'm totally fine with that. But this is where, this is a good exemplar to me of what Carson's issues were in this game. He was not good beyond the first read and he was skittish in the pocket. Yeah. It circles us back to when you get in a 14 point hole, your quarterback is going to start pushing. And when your quarterback is pushing and can't play in rhythm, he's going to make urgent decisions that probably don't maximize plays. Yeah. Right? Like this is like, all right, just tuck, go, get positive yards on first down. We need to move the ball. You know what I mean? Nobody's open. Go. You know, there's 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 a, a pushing here, and we know that Carson pushes. Yeah. This is uh, again, this has been the book on him for a while, even for his supporters. Is that Carson really wants to be good at every play, and he 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 struggles sometimes to swallow the pill and take it. And like here's like a five yard gain on a scramble. Maybe this is a good example of you know living to survive another down. 
Um, but but Chris Long brought it up on the Ryan Rosilla podcast with the Ringer. You know, Carson's not the problem in Philadelphia. He's not. But we all knew in the locker room that like when we got down, like Carson would like you know he really pushed. And he really put a lot of pressure on himself, and he tried to make every play special. Uh, it's a hard way to quarterback. John Stolnes brought up, and I want to let you go, but John Stolnes brought up a point in our Slack channel the other day, which is really good in my opinion, which is like. When's the last time Carson just like played in a rhythm, you know, like what, what, how long has it been since we just had a game where you just felt like, you know, Carson was just like humming Packers game for stretches. And but yeah, no, it's it's not consistent. Yeah. And so like you got to be able, like, you know, Carson's maybe not like a young quarterback anymore. He's 24. Yeah. But you got to be able to get your, your your quarterback in a rhythm to a point where he feels in command of the offense. And, like he can anticipate what's about to happen on the next play. He's got to kind of get into that flow state that we expect experts in the field to get into that falls a a good deal on Carson but to my opinion the majority of it falls squarely on the coaching staff in mm. terms of preparation and execution of the game plan and so this is this I think that somebody asked us on Twitter for a good perspective on Carson and his progression quarterback progression doesn't occur on a game to game basis Carson had a bad not not a great game he had a bad game against the Cowboys I'll say Carson's progression has been stunted if this happens the next four weeks in right. a row. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a bad football game. He's going to go out next week. He's going to have a good football game or a bad football game. You know, like we, we got to we'll take see. a longer view here. Mm. But, you know, this this in terms of things that we're watching for Carson, pocket management, play beyond first read, and then how he handles himself when he feels like the offense needs a big play. These are kind of the the, the benchmarks, the the dials that we're watching in terms of what he becomes last week we were talking on the qb sco show and i was i was telling mark i'm like you you gotta feel like if you're carson wentz can can you not help but feel just a little bit snake bitten because you can play great in some games and the eagles are just losing them and then based on the past success that they had foals and like all this other stuff that he's been through what does it look like if he presses because because of that aspect of it and this is exactly what mark said that it would look like if he is in fact pressing and carson doesn't have the luxury that other quarterbacks have, and I, and I say this to to Mark on the QB's Go show that's going to be released later this week, he doesn't get to stick around in 16 to 10 games. He doesn't get to stick around in 10 to 3 games. He's thrown 8 passes, he's down 27 to 10. He's thrown 1 right. first quarter pass, he's down 24 to 3. Like, this is the life that he's living in. The Eagles can't afford him to have an average or poor game. He's played some doggone good games. They've lost. It's not all on him, but he's got to be better. And you hope this is an aberration. And this is what you, you know, kind of expect of, of you know, the world of football analysis as it is now, given the visibility that's on quarterbacks. Right. But yeah, I mean, the Eagles have given up a combined 75 points over the last two weeks. And our first thing that we want to talk about is the play of the quarterback. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's uh, it's a pickle. It, it, it's it's funny that that's where the scrutiny is and i think maybe it it, it tells uh the story of kind of a uh uh hopelessness that that eagles fans and our listeners have uh for the defense which i must say that is uh reflected in my opinion as well yeah and we're gonna we're gonna talk about that soon but one play i wanted to get to before we go to the break because you alluded to him already is miles sanders so the other play yeah. I, I wanted to talk about for the offense was the third and four run for miles sanders we're talking second quarter 14 16 left to go Look, I want to talk about this play for a litany of reasons. And a lot of people have criticized the call and not without merit, but I think that's that it's wrong. They got what they wanted. Right. First, Doug mentioned that they knew the look they would get was some soft coverage. They got that. They also got numbers to the right of this formation that allows Jason Kelsey and Brandon Brooks to seal both linebackers at the second level. They do this beautifully. You also have Dillard pulling from his left tackle spot to the right of the formation. So you're adding a body to that side. You're four on this four This is Wham, by the way. This is Wham concept. Right, because they're going to let that four-eye go, right? Now, the reason that I like this call but don't is because they use Sanders here instead of Jordan Howard. But this is an easy read for Sanders. You can't make this much easier. This, this is the type of Wham call that I argued for when I wrote this performance up for BleedingGreenNation.com. This is what they should be using with Sanders. This is He's got one read. As soon as Dillard comes across and picks up his man, who, and let's talk about this, normally Dillard would kick out the four-eye Antoine Woods. This is what I want to talk about yeah. here. But because Woods attacks Dillard's inside half, Dillard transitions to a log block. They call it a log Beautifully. block. Beautifully. Oh, yeah. Beautifully. It was awesome by Dillard. Now, they call this a log block because you're going to roll this defender like a log and seal him off to the inside. Dillard does this fantastic job by him. I can't say that enough. Right there for Sanders. The decision to light a match off Dillard's butt and get upfield. Instead, 
the issue of Sanders' indecision and inefficient footwork pops up again. He wants to bounce this thing for no reason. He makes two movements to the outside. Well, what's outside? Demarcus Lawrence can stretch this thing out from his positioning. And you've got an unblocked nickel defender right. coming from the outside of him. Why is he unblocked? Because this is tagged with a bubble to Aguilar in the slot on that side, which Sanders has to know. The DB has time to figure out that this is handed off because Sanders gives him that time. The only thing that Sanders has to do on this play is read the Dillard log block, put his foot in the ground, show off that burst that we all rave about. And I guarantee you he beats Jeff Heath to the spot. Instead, he prances around finally cuts it inside, and because he doesn't have the play strength or the finishing skills to take on a hit from a 212-pound safety, he does not pick okay, this up. Okay, Heath's a hitter. Let's calm down. Heath's a good tackler. He's also, no, he's a terrible tackler. He's one of the worst tacklers in the league when it comes to missed tackles. I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying Heath, Heath he will hit you with velocity and will stop you. That's not, what I'm saying. Well, we're not talking about a 240-pound. He creates a disadvantageous line, uh, uh, contact angle for himself anyway, and he's never finished this season. But Sanders has been poor in that regard. I think we can all accept okay. that. Yes, I'm just saying. Okay. Like, like, it's not like, you know, a nickel back coming at you. It's Jeff Heath. He okay. can hit. Look, call me a Sanders hater. Say I'm trying to justify my pre-draft ranking, but he hasn't even lived up to my pre-draft ranking. Hell, so far, you could argue I was too high on him. And I love what he's done as a receiver, an area where I gave him a plus projection boost in my evaluation, despite very little production. And I love what he's done as a blocker, shown consistent improvement from week one and on in that area. That's all great. But there is so much wrong with his game as a runner. He is so far away from justifying the second round selection. And the fact that he had the nerve to like an IG post that incorrectly blamed the outside shotgun run schemes from the Eagles coaching staff for his struggles pisses me off. It is not the coaching staff's fault. It is his fault. He needs to be accountable for himself. And until any of that improves, they need to keep the running game with Howard and others. Because if that's Howard in this play, you sacrifice a burst. But he makes that read quick. And he creates a better angle to deal with contact from Heath. And he absolutely finishes stronger. So my problem isn't with the call. They got what they wanted. My problem was with the player they used and Sanders let them down. The Diller block is what makes this play interesting to me. Because, <laughs> right, what you typically expect on a, 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 a wham play is you run the B-gap rail, mm -hmm. right? That's, that's what's very often said on a wham play. But because you're getting this double three technique look, from uh, the Cowboys at the snap. This is an A-gap run. You expect Dillard coming from uh, the four-eye's weak side, the strong side of the four-eye. You expect him to take the inside shoulder of the four-eye. You expect Isaac Samalo to take the inside shoulder of the three technique. Mm -hmm. And then between them... The A-gap, and that's where Sanders should go, and that's what Sanders initially reads. But Sam Allah loses the block. Yeah, he does. 96 immediately presents into the A-gap. And so Sanders correctly... Yep, on the first move. ...goes to read outside. Mm -hmm. Now, Dillard here, if Dillard does what, like, you know, is, is drawn up on the chalkboard, he's going to take the inside shoulder, and Sanders is going to be screwed because Sanders lost the A-gap, and then when Dillard takes the inside shoulder, he's going to lose the B-gap as well because 99, the 4-I, is going to have leverage into the b-gap the fact that dillard reads 99 stepping inside trying to, to wrong arm him hmm. gets his outside hand on the hip of 99 and flips his hips is so gorgeous. blime gorgeous this is but because because i will like dillard never ever ever in the history of his life before he set foot in philadelphia eagles camp ran this play right he never had to do this and for your tackle on a wham play in which you are told Find that 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 four-eye technique. He's going to step beyond the line of scrimmage. You take his inside shoulder and you send him into the next county. Yeah. That's the teaching point. For him to read the fact that 99 did not gain depth downfield, but rather gained width back inside, and then he decides to flip his hips and long arm is like, <laughs> this should be such a good play for Dillard in the film room. And for it. Sanders, the second you see Dillard wrap these hips, Brother. thank God, <laughs> Dillard just saved your play. Yeah. You gotta know. And it's like you said, light a match off Dillard's butt and get upfield. The second Dillard generates this leverage where he gets outside with amazing handwork and amazing hip flexibility. You, you, you got it, brother. Just go. And that's what's so devastating is that I said the Eagles got what they wanted. This play didn't even succeed the way it's supposed to on the chalkboard. Tremendous play by your rookie who generally struggled in this game, but exactly what you wanted to see from a guy who did not know how to run a wham play in college. <laughs> And for Sanders, this is what it circles back to. One-year starter behind Saquon Barkley. This is an inexperienced football player yeah. who regularly makes poor decisions in time, in real time, 
Because he lacks instinct. And like you said, he defaults to bouncing outside. Yeah. So this is, uh, uh, like you said, this has got to be Jordan Howard on this play. Yep. It's third and four. You've, uh, you got, it's got to be Howard. Sanders is not ready for this. Yeah. And I acknowledge that the way he gets ready for this is by reps. It's going to, this is what you got to do when yeah. you draft a, a rookie who needs development time and, you know, growing pains, me and you, to me and you, Sanders was not worth a second round selection because he needs the time to develop. This is not a year one contributor. Yeah. This is a guy with great physical tools who needs time. So I acknowledge it's reps that you need to make Sanders a better player. Let's not make them third and four. It can't come on third and four when you're down by 14 points (laughs) or seven points at this point. Yeah. 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 It's just, I like, I like, this is not the time for it. It's gotta be first and 10 against the Jets, you know? And so, here we this are. is uh, that this was this was a uh, when I saw this I was even more devastated than I was. I acknowledged that the first read was taken away for Sanders. This was not in, supposed to be a B gap run, and it became a B gap run. But the fact that he's not able to mentally transition from all right, Dillard's supposed to you know pave open this A gap to A gap's covered because Samuel lost the block. I got to work to the B gap. The fact that he's not able to make that second step in real time indicates where he's at from a mental processing perspective. It's not where he needs to be. So that's going to do it for the offensive side of the ball. That took a while. We have so much to talk about the defensive side of the ball. Let's get to this break quickly. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we are back here on the Kissed and Solak show. We are talking Dallas Eagles film review. Unfortunately, uh, man, this was a really frustrating view from the defensive side of the ball. We already covered the offense. Let's let's flip side for the defensive side of the ball. Ben, I want to I want to start with something small that highlights a big issue. And for, and for that, we'll start with some analytics, which come from the film, of course. This is from Sharp Football. Shout out Warren Sharp. Uh, Dallas, twenty one personnel in week seven, ten snaps, seventy percent success rate. Three for three through the air, also 6.8 yards per carry with a lone sack. But overall, this is a problem for the Eagles, who answered with base personnel, so three linebackers. And the linebacker play, again, except for TJ Edwards, who I I thought played well, was limited but played well, uh, was again a liability. And we noted before the game that the Eagles were not dealing well against 21 personnel. Coming into the game, they were giving up a 58% success rate against two backs, one tight end set. One of their worst performances against any grouping. And one two-back play that I wanted to highlight and also underline another huge issue for this defense, which is tackling, is second quarter, 10-56, first and 10 from the Eagles, 42. This is the Tony Pollard 11-yard run. Oh, man. So they the Cowboys put a, a fullback on the field. The Eagles respond with base, which, hey, if I'm the Cowboys and if I know I can get three linebackers from the Eagles on the field, hell yeah, let's party, let's do it. Secondly, watch the, the, the missed tackles on this play. This play starts with Pollard. He's going to the left, and Graham is in pursuit coming down the line. Pollard cuts against the grain. Graham whiffs. He jukes away from Cox and then into Mills. Beats Mills to the outside. We got to have a conversation about Brandon Graham He's, being big washed. Yeah, brother. Big so, okay. Washed. Yeah. Sorry. Don't say ahead. it too loud, but we're going to get to that. So he jukes away from Cox. Then Mills gives up his his outside, you know, his outside leverage comes inside. He misses. Good, good balance by by Pollard, by the way. This is this is gorgeous. He then cuts inside of Cox, who has been in pursuit. Cox doesn't get a hand on. Spence comes buzzing over with something resembling like a flying kick save. He misses too. All of this happens, and Pollard has just now crossed the line of scrimmage. This is followed by Jenkins, Gary, and Edwards all over pursuing as Pollard cuts inside and picks up 11 yards. PFF grades this team 28th in the league overall for tackling grade. It's everybody. It's Brandon Graham, big time. It's It's Nigel Bradham, big time. It's Darby. It's Mills got a nummy action. It's Gary. It's Sendejo. It's Rodney McLeod again, which has been an issue for him in the past. It's all three levels where guys are having issues finishing. The coverage gets all the scoring and attention. This team can't tackle. This defense can't get the most fundamental of things right, Ben. Goodness. What a frustrating watch. Doug Peterson gave a quote, which was, in response to the question, do you feel as if the Dallas Cowboys were targeting your linebackers? (laughs) He said it is, and I quote, it is difficult to say. Is it? 
Is it though? It is not difficult to say. <laughs> I'm here to tell you unequivocally. Ninety percent of the like, game. I would stake. I would stake my career on it. <laughs> the Cowboys were targeting the Eagles linebackers Hopefully. in this game, and why wouldn't you? Right. M- if like, you can give flow one way, and I'm going to freeze frame some of these because there's 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 more than one play where they give flow to right. the right, and there is literally one player on the other side of the field for the Eagles. <laughs> One. Yeah. Well, this is right. This is this is the the other like you know how we've been on the whole like oh Eagles with box counts and like sticking extra guys in the box and and, and everybody has run responsibilities. That's a nasty truth. The even nastier truth is that when, as the Cowboys very well did, you give reduced sets and you don't have a flexed out wide receiver to one side of the formation, one of those guys in your run fits is a corner, <laughs> and the Eagles' corners are not good in pass coverage. They, I mean, Jalen Mills regularly exposed in the in the running game last week. Yeah, Rasul Douglas is again like hit or miss. Like at times he's like physical and he's diving in forward, and other times if he gets hands on him, he gets absolutely washed down the field. You never want your corners to be your primary run defenders. The 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 law. It's the law. Like when offensive coaches design plays on the like running plays, it's like all right, how can we? You know, like the 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 final sentence they want to say is. And then the corner is the unblocked man. Right. The corner is the plus one. Right. The corner is the fill defender. Yep. Because running back versus corner. That's a win. You know, like Elliot killed safeties. Ezekiel Elliott killed Sandejo and he killed Malcolm Jenkins on various occasions. Those are the Eagles' safeties. You hit him on a corner? <laughs> Ball game. And this is the, 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 you know, like I said, like, you know, if you have no flexed out receiver to one side, the Eagles, if they want to stay in zone coverage, are going to be bringing that corner into the box as one of the run, the primary run defenders, as a fill defender to the outside. Kellen Moore who's gotten a lot of credit for his passing designs, coached a very diverse, misdirection-oriented run game against the Eagles, which caused significant problems. Which, like, goes to show, hey, you know, like, the Eagles' storied run defense? Yeah, well, guess what? If you just get Nate, Gary, and TJ Edwards running the wrong way, it suddenly goes away. Yeah. Like, Fletcher Cox didn't play well. Or he didn't he didn't play great, but he, he you know Fletcher Cox still remained a relatively disruptive interior force as he's wont to do. And then uh, the player I brought up in the, in the beginning, thought I saw on Ridgeway when he was at, uh, healthy yet again played a relatively good and disruptive game. The Eagles are getting good return on Hassan Ridgeway for for a seventh sixth round pick, seventh round pick, whatever it yeah. was. Okay, but you can pretty much eliminate those guys fairly easily when you're constantly running off tackle and you're frequently giving looks which which the, the cowboys did very nicely with fullbacks tight ends and then two back sets mm-hmm. and, and with their option looks with dak prescott on keeps with will you know like the triple option touchdown the team on austin keeping those linebackers focused in tunnel visioned in on what's happening between the tackles with backfield action and then getting pullers with tight ends and offensive linemen outside of the formation with leverage on bad bad linebackers i know it's become a bit but, like, Nate Gary is one of the biggest liabilities on defense in the NFL, period. Like, I know it's become a bit. And, I like, he had, like, two interceptions, and I get that and everything like that. But Nate Gary uh, uh, is not good. And, like, that's, you know, I, I don't want to sit here and be like, this player's bad. But the I don't know why Nate Gary is in this prominent role. Yeah. I don't know if it's the coaching staff who believes they finally got something with him because he's bigger now. I don't know if it's the front office insisting that, that they're not going to, you know— uh, uh, get uh, you know anybody better than Duke Riley to replace Nate Gary? Brother, I don't know. LJ Fort starting in Baltimore, he had a great game, right? <laughs> whatever it is, like whoever's fault it is, Ken Flajoli, the linebackers coach, right? Or whatever, whoever's yeah. fault it is that Gary has seen significant time and snaps over LJ Fort, Duke Riley, and even at times Kamugrujay Hill. I mean, like you gotta explain it to me slow. What are you seeing here? <laughs> what is he doing? <laughs> Zone that. coverage, he's nowhere. Yeah. Against flow, he is he's the the regularly the last player to recognize misdirection. Filling against uh in the trees, filling against, you know, uh, offensive linemen. Uh, he regularly loses ground and loses leverage. I, I just cannot circle plays there and say, This is what I'm hanging my hat on. This is what I'm getting this guy on the field. I can live with the bad stuff because he does this. I have nothing for you. Yeah. On Gary. I just don't. Like this is this would be frustrating. If Gary was not a day three pick who you could have and you should have moved on from multiple occasions, if you had not emptied the linebacker room of Jordan Hicks and of LJ Fort uh, and of Zach Brown of players who are measurably better than he is on the field. Correct. But you have and you did. <laughs> How did he earn this? What did he do? He, <laughs> he gained 15, 20 pounds? Yeah. Cool. 
He's still not good. So it's, it's maddening that we're here. Speaking of maddening day three players who have not been good, who there's no reason why they should be consistently put on the field and given some sort of starting role. Jalen Mills still isn't good. He's not good. He's getting beat. He's getting beat by Jason Witten. Cowboys oh, like- had second and 14 and ran two slant routes against Jalen Mills and got a first down. That's your corner one. <laughs> Amari Cooper and then, yes, Jason Witten. 49 years old, Jason Witten is. He has three grandchildren. <laughs> he's like on the line of scrimmage. He's not locating his hands. He bites on outside fakes, even though he has help to the outside because the sideline is there. He has to protect the inside because Jim Schwartz is not putting safeties in the middle of the field. Right. Can we talk about this? <laughs> if you did not know who was on rosters, if you just like, if you understood football, but you did not know who was on rosters, and you just watched every defense from the past few weeks, you would assume the best corners in the league are on Philadelphia, (laughs) given the way that Jim Schwartz (laughs) trusts them. Jim Schwartz had regular plays in the red zone and on third downs with no safety. With no safeties! Have you watched your secondary? Can we talk about one that that maybe we can put it under this umbrella? That this one play I want to talk about. We got, I'm mean, hoping you can I'm talk sweating. me. Sweating. I feel because okay. I might be missing something. Can you can you turn your book to second quarter thirteen oh two? Dude, I literally have I literally have that play already. Oh my open. god! Oh my god! Watch how these assignments <laughs> end up after Cooper Cooper motions from left to right. You've got Rasul versus Gallup. You've got Jenkins who goes with Cooper in the slot. Jenkins is matched up with Amari Cooper. And on the nub side with the two tight ends, Gary and Mills, I think they're in banjo coverage. So Gary has inside, Mills has outside. Now look at McLeod, who is 16 yards off, shaded to the nub side. You have eight guys around the box. Eight guys in or around the box. And McLeod is shaded to the side with Blake Jarwin and Jason Witten. You've got, again, Rasul and Gallup, Jenkins and Cooper. Okay, so here's what happens. Rasul bails, right? He's alone. He's a man coverage on the outside. Safety ain't getting and over And he's that. initially got eight-yard, you know, eight yards cushion, off. But it's Rasul, so he's got to make sure he gets on his horse in case somebody's going downfield. <laughs> yeah, he's eight yards off. Gallup runs a curl at nine yards. At the break, Rasul has retreated to 13 yards. Now, Rasul comes up and makes this this tackle. It's an eight-yard gain on first down. You know, offense is on schedule. Ben, we keep, we keep mentioning six yards is more than four yards, talking about how the Schwartz defense is fine with giving up six yards through the air while freaking out about the possibility of giving up four yards on the ground. In this case, eight yards is more than four. In this case, they decided to man up Cooper with Jenkins. In this case, they were so worried about the run that it looks like they're actually afraid of known deep threats Blake Jarwin and Jason Witten. Now, McLeod opens up to the Coop Gallup side once he recognizes its pass. But at that point, he's 20 yards deep. He ain't helping anybody or anything. Why is this defense the way it is? This is Schwartz just getting pantsed by Kellen Moore, saying, here's your free curl, buddy. They got they, they, they got the right. check that they wanted, and then they knew they had access to the, the free access. To this, the is like, right, this is like the, the Green Bay game, remember, where it was like, hey, it's first and 10. I wonder if the Packers are going to pick up seven yards on a hitch route. Absolutely. <laughs> I wonder if they're going to run spot. You know what I mean? Literally that's every the time. The first three drives for the Cowboys, and this is something I, I brought up, I think, in a previous pod. They did not run any passing concepts that are not on the first two days of West Coast install. Oh, <laughs> slant, flat, curl, swing. It's just half-field stuff. And this is why I say, like, oh, we don't know if they're attacking our linebackers. They are. You want to know how I know? It's because all they're doing is high-lowing your underneath zone defenders, who are your linebackers. Especially when you're putting three linebackers on the field because they're giving you heavy sets with two tight ends. You got to make sure you can stop the run. Hmm. The Eagles also, in this game, more frequently than I can remember did what's called, they'll, they'll funnel the number three. And when we say funnel the number three, is the number one receivers are the, mo- are the furthest outside of the formation, the number two receivers are the next closest inside the formation, then the number three uh, to the strong side is typically your running back, right, who's in the backfield. When you're running cover one man, which the Eagles did a fair bit in this game, funneling number three means that you're two, you know, you have, you have corners over number one, you have corners over number two, and then you have like two linebackers. And either one could take the number three. If, if Elliott releases to the left side, then the, the weak linebacker will take him. If he releases to the right side, the strong linebacker will take him. Whoever doesn't take him sits in an underneath zone and operates at times as a quarterback spy. And they did this against Prescott. And honestly, it doesn't not make sense. 
it it like you know it's logical. Prescott is good at, at, at scrambling on on uh, broken pockets on broken plays after he gets pressure with four. He's good at resetting and getting outside the pocket. You want a guy who's in an underneath zone to be able to go after him, as well as you want to be able to help your slot corners and your safeties take away quick in breaking routes. Yeah, I made the joke about the Packers. Packers lived in this underneath zone area, and so you're you're asking one of your linebackers to be more active in that area. So it makes sense. But again, it implies. The, the main thing you're worried about <laughs> is after your corners take away the first read, Prescott tucking and running. Why is that? <laughs> Why? It's so... You want, you, need, you want an underneath hole defender? Yeah. I want a deep half defender. I want cover two. Yeah. I would love for a team to gain 300 passing yards on the Eagles exclusively passing it seven yards down the field into the underneath, like, you know, and winning against on, on quick slants, on quick curls against linebackers. Yeah. Oh, what a delight that would be <laughs> because it means there's no 50-yard pass completions. Right. Right? So this is the, the, my thing is like, yeah, so like, I, I see that. I go, I understand the logic here, but the the insistence, and this is, this is the thing that I take away, the insistence that we remain middle of the field, closed, single high, corners on islands against vertical routes down the field. This is week seven. <laughs> it has been seven straight weeks of this not working. Ugh. And it didn't work with the starters. And it's not working with the backups. Right. And when is somebody going to take Jim Schwartz by the front of his shirt, pick him up, ragdoll him a little bit, and say, wake up? Come on, brother. It's not working. This ain't hard. Yeah. Right? And and like, and then what? And, and, and I bring this up every time because I think it's very important to bring up. And then when it works... When cover one, single high, rat man underneath works. Amari Cooper had a touchdown, if not for Jalen Mills acting out a DPI, which was like kind of there, kind of wasn't. And then a Tyron Smith offensive hold. Jalen Mills is in perfect position. He overplays the outside release and actually gets an outside release this time. He flips his head. He's in a great position to play on this ball and he just doesn't see it. So when it works... Still, on the chalkboard, you still, still don't have the players to be successful. And that's why I end up feeling poorly for uh, uh, Jim Schwartz. Because, you know, my uh, uh, Malcolm Jenkins comes out and says, simplify. Simplify. If I were Jim Schwartz, I would take that exact play I'm talking about. I would put it on Malcolm Jenkins' desk in the morning and say, I would love to run this every play. Yeah. But I don't have corners who can win. And also at the same time, too, what if he runs cover two and that tackling issue pops up and your six-yard gain turns into a 50-yard game and towards the goal, well, you told me to run cover two. uh, Here we are. (laughs) Speaking of running cover two. Yeah. Oh, let's, let's let's talk about Brett Maher's 63-yard field goal to end the first half oh, and how it came to pass. <laughs> I need, like, I'm already slightly have a headache because of how much I've been yelling on this podcast, yeah. and it's not going to stop. 22 seconds, one timeout, Dallas is at the 30. Now, I, I will not claim that I understand, like, analytics, right? And, like, you know, how, like, I don't, I don't know how this would work. But I imagine somewhere there's a regression model that indicates how likely a team is to score based off of starting field position and number of timeouts and time left on the clock at the end of a half or or, or the game. Mm. And I would imagine that 22 seconds on your own 30 with one timeout is very, 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 very low on the likelihood of being able to score. That's my guess. And like I said, I don't have the background, but whatever. The Eagles come out and cover two. Against uh, 22 seconds, one timeout, an empty set. Okay, that makes some sense to me. Cover two, split field, you're unlikely to get beat deep because you now have you know two deep safeties each handling a deep half of the field. That's delightful. Yeah, well, let of me course, tell you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, there, you know, uh, Ronnie McLeod absolutely, or excuse me, that's Malcolm Jenkins, does go jumping a little bit the wrong way. Uh, but this doesn't matter because, like, you know, he saw the ball coming out from Prescott, yeah. whatever. Like, let's, you know, it does, like, this th- doesn't really matter to me. What matters is the Cowboys very quickly take a free eight yards in front of cover two. Nate Gary rallies up and tackles, and you force the use of the timeout. There are 17 seconds left. Prescott is at the 38-yard line, and the Cowboys have no timeout. <laughs> I firmly believe, I firmly believe that Jim Schwartz did not know they did not have no timeouts left. Because Jim Schwartz comes out in cover two yet again. He comes out in cover two yet again, and not only is he in cover two, uh, his outside corners are deploying a sink technique in cover two, where instead of closing hard into a route into the flats, they open their hips and sink underneath any routes that are coming in behind them, Yeah, which, you know, 
again, like, oh, like, you know, they're not going to be able to complete a 17-yard pass and then get out of bounds. Yeah, sure, but that's what the safety is for, sweetie, because they can't go to the middle of the field. They have no timeouts. And titularly, like, the, uh, the, the, the heuristic, the magic number, is 17 seconds. If yeah. you want to be able to run a play, get tackled in bounds, get up there and spike the ball, the average NFL coach will tell you you need around 16 seconds. So it's not even like the Cowboys have a spike that they can use. Right. There's only 17 seconds left. They're on their own 38. They got to go... 22 yards at least 25 at least so so let's go kick a field goal three hook zones inside of the numbers right. if you're philadelphia and so the eagles exactly the eagles have three <laughs> underneath zone defenders inside <laughs> the numbers nobody covering nobody jalen mills splits the the corner route and the flat route yep which allows Jason Witten to immediately scramble outside of bounds on an eight-yard little flat route. Free money. Uh, it, it takes five seconds, and they pick up seven yards. Yep. Okay. Now they're at the 45. Mm-hmm. All right. Listen, that was bad. But fortunately, we'll be able to correct it very easily. Right? They did the same The thing. Cowboys run the exact same play. The literally, the literally same mirrored concept. Eagles give the same coverage, get beat the s- same way they run smash seven and not only do they run smash seven it's out of basically the same alignment yep and the the eagles run cover two again mm-hmm. and jalen mills again splits the flat to the corner and again the flat is easily completed jason witten immediately picks up the first down this is the ball is now at the philadelphia 45 <laughs> Why are they- from whence brett maher will attempt his 63 yard to, uh, uh uh kick and make it in a dome there are 12 seconds left why are you covering the middle of the field? They have no timeouts. No timeouts. There's no chance. There's no chance. There is no chance. There's no chance. Mike, there's no Zero chance. Zero chance. You will complete that, that to the middle of the field. The Cowboys throw anything to the middle of the field. They have no now, interest in right, doing that. After these multiple flat routes are completed, the Eagles go, hey, you know what would be fun? Is if we just ran what you call boundary defense where everybody plays with outside leverage and it's impossible to complete a play uh, to the sideline. The Cowboys, by the way, again, run mirrored smash seven, <laughs> hoping it's going to work flat seven, excuse me, hoping it's going to work. It doesn't this time shocking development. And then they kick a 63 yard field goal. But again, 22 seconds ball, in the 30 one timeout. They run three underneath passing plays to Jason Witten. The Eagles have no idea how to play situational defense, and the Cowboys get three points. And, like, do the three points end up mattering? Heck no. But is this still fascinatingly inane for an NFL defense and a defensive coordinator? Yes. I have no idea. Like, if Lurie sat Schwartz down and asked him to explain this, I have no idea what Jim said right. that would, like, allow him to retain his job. Right. Come Oh, so anyway, this is laughable and the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, are you gonna Are you gonna put these plays up on Twitter? Because if not, I'll put them up. I will, I'll go ahead and do it. That sounds like fun. Yeah, that's oh my god, what okay. unbelievably stupid. I need a nap. Well, you can go ahead and take one, Ben. I think that's gonna do it. We've gone long enough. This was really, really frustrating, man. I've I've never enjoyed watching film less. I've never been more pissed off. Something's got to change, Ben. We'll see if something does. I mean, we're still waiting on uh, trade deadline news and everything like that. So we'll get you updated on whatever happens if the Eagles end up trading for somebody or fire someone. Man, say goodbye to the gentle listeners. I ran out of hey. screaming. I ran. I, I, I. Like I seriously, like I, like I have a headache because I just <laughs> for the last twenty minutes of this podcast, I've yelled on. <laughs> Big angry. Listen, thank you as always for listening to the Kiss and Sarlacc show. It was a long one, but it was a necessary one. Eagles got pantsed in all three phases against the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday night. The brunt of which falls on the coaching staff. The other brunt of which falls on the execution of the players. Nobody did a good job. It's a reset uh, for Bills week as the Eagles look to get back to 500 and stick within the NFC East race. If you enjoyed the show. Please go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe on whatever app you listen to your podcast. Of course, we will get you prepped for that Bills game with two preview shows, offense versus defense, defense versus offense. If you want want to make sure you don't miss them, go ahead and subscribe as well on whatever your favorite app to listen to podcast is. He's been Michael Kist on Twitter, at Michael Kist NFL, it's KST. I've been Benjamin Solak on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. We will catch you later this week. We all we got. We all we need. Flying. I need a bit more than this, TBH. I'd li- I'm going to need something else. <laughs> Just end the show. Bye. Bye.